Hello, and welcome back to Practicing English, a story for you today. Of course, as there is always a new story, but this one is in the genre. The genre, that means the, the type of story, the category of story. This one is in the genre of thriller. Thriller or even horror. It's in two parts. Today's part one, which isn't very horrifying, but it begins to get interesting. And I have a little vocabulary as well I want to talk about before I start the story. So here we go. Hello and welcome to Practicing English. My name is Mike Bilber and these are podcasts for students of English at B1 or B2 levels. And if you are a B1 level student trying to reach B2 level, then I recommend my book, The Tudor Conspiracy. Come over to practicingenglish.com and you'll see a picture of the front cover. Click on that and it will take you to the page where you can buy the book. Hello, and I didn't say, but this is going to be a B1 level story, really, although there are some B2 words thrown in. And the B1 words are to listen for the way people speak. You can speak cheerfully, cheerfully, cheer is the noun, C-H-E-E-R, which means happily, cheerfully. And another way you can speak is annoyed, annoyed, from the verb to annoy, A-N-N-O-Y. So if you are annoyed, you are angry, perhaps not as strong as angry, maybe annoyed. It's a bit more formal as well as a word, to be annoyed. And then another adverb for you, the way people speak, excitedly, excitedly, from the adjective excited. And children, perhaps, around about this time, because Christmas is on its way. Children are looking forward to Christmas, and adults too, perhaps. And children get excited, and they begin to speak excitedly. And the last one, which is, well, perhaps not connected with Christmas at all. Well, it shouldn't be. Coldly. To speak coldly is, as you might imagine, in a cold way, in an unfriendly way, a way which is not friendly. Coldly. So listen out for those words, cheerfully, annoyed, excitedly and coldly. I've added two words which are not B1. One is B2, which is guilt, guilt, G-U-I-L-T. And guilt is something that we feel when we've done something bad and we wish we had not done something bad, guilt. And shame is similar in a way, really. 
Shame is the way we, is what we feel. We wish we hadn't done something and we feel shame. S-H-A-M-E. Listen out for those words. And one more thing I'm going to speak about. I've brought in for the very first time a swear word. A swear word. To swear, S-W-E-A-R, means to say or use words which are usually taboo. That means words which are insulting. And some people may feel offended by them. Now, the word I'm going to use is not a particularly strong one. I've classified what the dictionary classifies as well, actually, the Oxford English Dictionary, swear words into three categories, one, two, or three stars. Now, one star swear words are words that you can say Perhaps even in front of your mother, she won't really mind. Because it's not really strong, it's more slang, really. They're, they're words which are used in often general conversation and are not usually found to be offensive. Now, two-star words, well, I wouldn't use two-star words in front of my mother. But it might depend on your mother but they are perhaps considered to be stronger. And the word today I'm going to use is a two-star word. Three stars? Well, I wouldn't use those words in front of anybody's mother, and only in some circumstances, and rarely, I think. I hope, usually, they're words which come out when we're exceedingly angry. We're very angry about something, and we use these three-star words swear words. My advice to learners of English is not to use swear words. The one-star ones, okay, that's all right. But the two-star and three-star words, perhaps we shouldn't. I find that when I hear students using these words, they're trying to sound more native-like in their speech. I think in the end, they sound worse. The words sound worse than in the mouths of a native speaker. The words are usually quite striking, and uh, I find it somehow unnatural. You really have to be a, a native speaker or a bilingual speaker to be able to use swear words properly. I try not to do that in Spanish, for example. I live in Spain, but I try not to use swear words because I, I don't think I can use them in the same way that native people can. Okay, so what is this wonderful word that I'm going to use today? It is bloody. Bloody. My two-star swear word. B-L-O-O-D-Y. You may have heard it before. Blood is, of course, what comes out of your body if you cut yourself. It's red. And it's an adjective. Bloody, meaning it has blood on it. So a piece of bloody meat means that there's a meat with, which hasn't been cooked very well, and it's a bit raw, and so it looks bloody. But we use it as an adjective in an insulting way or in a way which is pejorative when we feel angry at something, and we use this word bloody quite often. So we could talk about the bloody weather. 
the bloody weather, meaning that, you know, the weather's really bad and I wish it, it was better. It's raining all the time. Not really the case in Seville, but anyway. Um, your bloody job. Bloody job. When you're fed up with the work that you do, and that happens to us all sometimes, you could refer to your job as your bloody job. Bloody English. You're fed up with learning English. Don't seem to be getting anywhere. Bloody English. Listen to the story in this part one. You'll hear an example, just one example, of when I use bloody. What is the context that it's used in? Okay, that's it. Listen out for those words then. Cheerfully, annoyed, excitedly, coldly, guilt and shame. And my two-star swear word, bloody. Here we go. Never go back. This is a B1 level story by M.A. Bilborough. This recording is copyright. Benjamin opened the back door of the almost new rented SUV standing in a car park across the road from the hotel. Right, boys, in you get, he said cheerfully. I'll put Ellis in the baby seat, said Carmen. Come on, Ellis, it's around the other side. Logan, you get in first, so you're in the middle, and you can look after your two brothers. Right, up you go, that's it. Now, Jackson, up you get next to your big brother. I can get him by myself, Daddy, Jackson said, annoyed. You don't have to help me. I know, you're a big boy now. Right, all in. I'm closing the door. Watch your feet as I shut the door. I don't want to cut any toes off. Logan and Jackson laughed excitedly. So far, this had been one of their best holidays. Benjamin had planned it in detail. The Italian job, Carmen had called it because Benjamin had spent hours on the phone arranging everything himself, calling the hotel, booking the flights, organising the daily excursions, finding out about the history and sightseeing in the places they wanted to visit in northern Italy. They were staying in Stresa now, a pretty town on the coast of Lago Maggiore, about 40 kilometres north of Milan. Today they were going out in their hired car to Lago d'Orta, about 30 minutes to the west of Stresa. Carmen has said that this was going to be her favourite excursion because she was really looking forward to visiting the tiny island of San Giulio. They had reserved lunch at a restaurant there for one o'clock. Benjamin and Carmen climbed into the front seats. Then Benjamin put on his reading glasses, took out the map of northern Italy and began to search for the route he had already marked with a red ballpoint pen to their destination. He seemed to have trouble finding the right part on the huge folded paper map. I could use my mobile phone, Ben, Carmen suggested quietly. I know, I know, smiled Benjamin, 
still turning over the map again and again. Anybody can use a mobile phone, though. But this is real travelling, a good old traditional map, like we used to use. Hmm, I hope they haven't changed the road since your map was published. That map must be at least 20 years old, she joked. Can I find the route on the mobile phone? said Logan from the back seat. I'm good at that. We know you are, Logan, his father said. Too good. You're only nine and you know more about mobile phones than your school homework. I do my school homework, don't I, Daddy? interrupted Jackson. I got a nine in biology. That was nine out of a hundred, said Logan. No, it wasn't, shouted Jackson, feeling hurt. Yes, it was, argued Logan. Quiet, you two, said Carmen. Come on, Ben. Let's go or we'll spend the whole day here in the hotel car park. The boys both laughed. Then Ellis, who was only seven months, laughed too, which made everybody laugh even more. Got it. Here it is. Benjamin handed a map to Carben, pointed to the area of the map where the route was and started looking for something in his pockets. Now what? said Carmen. My driving glasses. I can't find them. They must be back in the hotel room. Oh, no. Shall I drive? suggested Carmen. You can't. Only my name is on the car hire insurance. Look, I I've got to go back to the hotel room. He opened the car door and got out. Ben, called Carmen. She handed him the room card. You won't get in the room without this. Thanks, Carmen. Benjamin took the card. I'll only be a minute. I'll be right back. Cross over the road at the zebra crossing, added Carmen. There's a lot of traffic. Hurry up, Daddy! The boys called out, and Ellis made loud baby noises. Benjamin had to wait for several minutes before the traffic lights turned red the cars on the busy road. He looked up at the sky, which was a bright blue. They'd been lucky with the weather, too. Beautiful, warm and sunny days. Even in August, it could be wet in this part of Italy, especially as the mountains were so close. Benjamin was smiling to himself as he crossed the road. He was about to walk up the steps to the hotel entrance when he heard a voice behind him. Benjamin, is that you? Benjamin turned. An attractive woman in her late thirties was looking at him from the pavement. Her hair was blonde and quite long, but tied back behind her in a ponytail. She wore tight-fitting jeans, a black T-shirt and trainers. Her face was serious, and as Benjamin looked harder, at the lines on her face that shouldn't have been there at her age. He realised that she looked familiar, but he didn't know why. Um, do I know you? Benjamin asked. Yes, I would say you do, said the woman. Her words left her mouth like pieces of ice, and the serious look on her face 
did not turn into a smile. Benjamin began to feel uncomfortable. Think back, she said. Eighteen years old. End of school party at Dave Simpson's house. A Friday evening. A girl called Jessica. Thoughts and memories flooded into Benjamin's mind like a tsunami. The end of school party. That mad party at Dave Simpson's. There had been about 25 of them. Sixth formers. Everybody celebrating because they'd finished their A-level exams. A new life ahead of them. Dave Simpson's parents not there for some reason. The fridge filled with bottles of beer. Benjamin had rarely drunk beer before in his life. And then suddenly, a fridge full. Innocence and alcohol. A bad mix. Then Jessica, a girl he had hardly spoken to at school, but there she was, looking beautiful, laughing, holding his arm and a bottle of beer in the other hand. A bedroom free in that huge house, although Benjamin didn't know what to do, really, but the alcohol helped. Hello, Jessica, said Benjamin to the woman on the Streza pavement some twenty years later. His face was serious now, like hers. Anxious feelings of guilt and shame filled the bottom of his stomach. I had your child, said Jessica coldly. If she had wanted to enjoy seeing how Benjamin's face changed, she didn't have to wait long. Benjamin's eyes grew wide, His face went white. His whole body began to shake. He moved down towards her for fear of falling off the hotel steps. You you, what? He breathed. I had your child, Jessica repeated. You didn't know, of course. You left for Paris or somewhere. Everybody left Sirencester. Why stay? There were no opportunities for bright kids like us in a small country town. You didn't leave a contact address. I sometimes wonder if you did that on purpose. That's not true, said Benjamin, but the words were hard to pronounce. Uh, I I kept in touch with, with Tim and Andrew, but they went to Australia. I don't think you knew them very well. He paused. I I didn't know about this. I, uh, I didn't even think for one moment that... Typical bloody man, said Jessica, her face sour. OK, so here are the cruel details, Jessica continued. In my family, we don't believe in abortion. I had your child, which meant I couldn't go to university. Or perhaps I could have. But I didn't. Our son has cerebral palsy, which means he can't leave the house unless in a wheelchair. My parents are looking after him at the moment. They've supported me a hundred percent. But we need money. She stopped and looked at Benjamin. There was a long silence while Benjamin 
was trying to take in all this information. The noise from the cars and the busy street seemed miles away. Then a thought came to him. But you're here on holiday. No, I'm not. Your son, oh, his name is Brandon, by the way, although you didn't ask, is with my parents in Sirencester. I'm here because I couldn't get a job back home. I'm working as a waitress in the Borough Mayo Hotel. It's good money, which I'm sending home to my parents every month. But Brandon needs special equipment and help. It's expensive. You'll have to help. After all, he is your son. Benjamin tried to get control of himself. Jessica, I, I'm married. I have a family. I have three children. In fact, they're waiting for me right now. I, uh, I, I... You don't have time for this, right? Sorry, but you have no choice. You have two families now. I found you. I'm not letting you escape again. Give me a contact address. Wait a minute. You're staying in this hotel, aren't you? For the first time, Jessica smiled, but it was a cruel smile. No, Benjamin lied. Yes, you are. You've got a hotel room card in your hand. That's all right. I'll come around this evening after work, and you can introduce me to your lovely wife. I'm sure we can come to an arrangement. Just the three of us. Jessica turned and walked off in the direction of the Borromeo Hotel. That's all for now. Until next week with part two of Never Go Back. Goodbye for now. <laughs>